This is Coda Radio, episode 173 for October 5th, 2015. Welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us now, I'm going to take a guess, and I'm going to say, from the beautiful Florida state down where the Gators play. Why, yes, folks, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Well, how you doing now there, Chris? <laughs> I got it right, didn't I? You got it right this time. <laughs> I figure 50-50 shots. So how would, did your travels go okay? So both you and I were traveling since the uh, last episode where we were on the air. Well, let me tell you a little story about someone who missed a flight. No. And purchased, it gets better. So I don't travel with bags. I, I noticed that from last week, yeah. I just don't do that. I right? understand, yeah. Yeah. Actually, can I just interject really quickly? Go ahead. I, you know, I took the I took the JB Rover, uh, the trailer, sure. and sure. Uh, I didn't bring any bags either because, well, I was taking a trailer. So then, when I got to Grand Forks, Noah put me up in a hotel, and I didn't have any bags. I didn't have like a bag for my laptop. I didn't have any bag for my clothes. So I had to carry all my stuff in by hands like an animal into the hotel. <laughs> I didn't have any bags. Either. I so I just had a suit that I was wearing, by the way, because <laughs> I was going to a wedding and I had some business meetings. Got to look good in a briefcase. <laughs> That was it. Like, all I got. So then you missed your flight. Missed my flight. And I walk around the terminal about three times, which is crappier than it sounds because it's not all indoors and it's Florida and it's 1,000 degrees out. Yeah. And I purchase on my lovely iPhone 6 Plus a ticket for another flight, to- which I get my boarding pass mm-hmm. immediately, right, because they email it to you now. Sure. And I purchase it and immediately walk into security. Well, apparently that's very suspicious. Because you bought it there, right? And you're like... I, within five minutes, I was in security and I was stopped and taken to the side. See, that to me just sounds exactly like something I would do, actually. See, that's, right. that's what's really unfortunate about that being suspicious. And I can understand, like, how that is suspicious from, like, an analytics, like, a series of actions. And, you know, they probably even got, the, like, the location you bought it from and all that kind of stuff. Well, I was standing outside the security because there was no line. <laughs> yeah, okay. And I'm buying it on my phone. The guy's looking at me. I'm like, hang on. And I buy the ticket and then I show him the boarding pass. And he's like, yeah... Okay, but it also seems like obviously somebody would. I mean, that just seems like with that's just taking advantage of modern technology. Well, you know, the question of so you have no bags, and when I bought a one way ticket too, that's the other thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I understand. So that's that's unfortunate. Did that cause you to miss the flight? No, I made the second flight. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, actually, I so it gets better. When I had first gone into the airport, I had went to the uh, airline Frontier their desk and said, I think I'm late for my flight. Uh, here's the flight number. You know, any chance it was delayed? No, you're late. You missed your flight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks a ton. It's non-refundable. I got that. Thank you. Wow. Um, so, you know, I get through security. I get searched pretty much stripped naked. A little bit of a treat for the guard. We won't go into that. But, you know, Jamal, this one's for you. Wow. Yikes. Uh... Get the hell out of here. So anyway, I get through security, right? And now, because I had to buy a ticket on the spot, my flight's not taking off for like two hours. So there's a Chili's in the terminal. Sure. In like the, I'm like, you know what? I'm hungry. I yeah. order a martini. I'm about to order food. So far, yeah. I, this is exactly how I would do it. This is totally Within my approach. Within seconds too. of me, the girl putting the martini on the table or on the bar, do I hear... Uh, will Mr. Michael Dominic, passenger, please urgently come to gate C whatever? No. Like, oh, crap. I'm like, what now? Yeah, no kidding. It's the original flight wondering where the hell I was. They had been delayed an hour and a half. No way. They, you're, yep. telling me, you're telling me <laughs> the whole time the flight was there, the whole time? The whole time. <laughs> like, so then I get to the gate, and I'm like, I have no boarding pass because the person at the desk told me I didn't didn't you know the flight had already taken off and she's like well can i just see your id and let me right through no boarding pass no nothing really right on the plane well that's something so terrorists if you ever wanted <laughs> <laughs> oh man no don't say that don't say that yeah oh jeez. It, uh, it was hilarious 
Hmm. I uh, my my ho- my my last day of travel was just it was just a crazy like uh, thirteen hour drive from Montana to Washington. We just we just went all out so that way we could make it back and see the kids early and stuff like that and get some work done. Yeah, I was I was going to drive back, but I ended up flying back for reasons that will be revealed another day. Oh, dun dun dun! Well, I wanted to start before we get too much further into the show. Uh, I'm going to start a weekly watch if I remember, uh, which I probably won't. Right here on the show, every week I'll check in and see what the status is. For uh, Marshmallow hitting my uh, S6 Edge, but in the meantime... I mean, really, shouldn't that be a monthly watch? Probably, because as of today, as of this Coder Radio, Google has released Android 6.0 Marshmallow for Nexus 5, 6, 7, 9, and the Nexus Player. Yep, version 6.00 of Android is out, and we have download links directly in the show notes if you are so inclined. And I'm curious now to see how long until some of the other... I don't know, what do we call them... Um, what are, they, what are the upper-tier Android devices supposed to be called? Um, oh, the flagships? Yes, thank you, the flagships. Now let's see how long until the flagships start to get... Uh, uh, your Nexus yeah. 5, I, although I have an update on mine, but I think it's just getting 5. Oh, sure, now. the Nexus 5 that, I, that I'm, I've let Noah use because he ruined his phone while he was out here. And now I'm only, my only Android voice, device now is my S6, and I just got, I just, just got 5.11. Oh, well, that's the Samsung dude. So can we just really quick, I know it's not on the dock, but take a detour? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the Huawei? Uh, and I'm assuming that's how you actually. Yeah, say I think that. it is how you say it because it, it's like a Hua, right? Yeah. Yep. The 6P because I'm you know, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be one to buy a Huawei phone, but uh, I might actually. You know, I so this is weird because now uh, there's been you know there's been bad news about Huawei. But I, it's like, how do you even know what's legit and not? Because they're well, that's the thing, right? It's like a total trust deficit there. Yeah. Uh, I but here's my take on it is I think they actually make some good stuff. It's the it's a lot. I mean, I was I was all hot and bothered for what is it the Moto Pure, but this is looking mm-hmm. like, like hardware wise like a them, nice and, them and and also what about Yami? I mean, when are they gonna when's Yami gonna start making stuff out here in the U.S. and that's they're also very competitive with the design and the looks. I don't think they have any plans. So I thought I knew <laughs> Huawei has been talking about wanting yeah. to come to the U.S. Yeah, but. yeah, and and they have been and. Uh, there's been some. There's been some like uh, supposedly malware shipped to some of their devices and things like that. They got some, yeah, some bad so press. Yeah, they have a bad habit of like maybe yeah. working with the Chinese government. Is the implication? Don't really know though. I mean, that's of course the implication it, from the U.S. If government. The Chinese so. government wants to see the inappropriate stuff <laughs> I throw into Slack. <laughs> right. I think they'll never uh, you know spy on my phone again after that. Yeah, right. Uh, they Let's just say that. we're big fans of the TV program Oz and just leave it at that. <laughs> So you're rock, you're back on the iPhone, huh? So you're not you're not rocking Android well, the Moto well, 360. Well, after anymore? we got off the show where I talked about having not broken my Nexus, I immediately shattered it. <laughs> so then there goes the Moto 360 too, right? I mean, you can't wear the you can't use Android Wear, or can you? You guess I guess Android I Wear is it, it, it's super not great. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. I guess like, I haven't work. been wearing it with the iPhone, but you know, I've been in the market for an Android phone, and I was re- I, I had literally the cursor on the buy button and i said you know what let me wait for the new nexus uh line to come out and now i'm like i don't like that 5x i would just almost rather go to one of those shady screen repair really? places i think the 5x looks kind of appealing i think it looks kind of crap yeah i mean it's not like jumping out at me it's not but it is right. it, there's things that are appealing to it but that uh that 6p looks really good but i yeah there's the whole like shadiness. Is this going to be part of the botnet that attacks the DOD? I doubt it, though. I doubt thing. it. I think that's overplayed. I really do. I th- I think it's overplayed. I think it's. I think there's other market competitive dynamics at play that maybe have started some of those rumors. That's perhaps my sa- wait. Wait. Are you saying one company would lie about another company potentially and potentially. start a rumor to like scare them? I think my next. I don't know. I, my next phone. Uh, I think I'm good for a bit. To be honest with you, it's not really in the. It's not really in the cards for me at the moment. Well, are we um, announcing the iOS action show? <laughs> hey, I, I, you never know. You just never know. I, I do still. I am still am beginning to think that I'm not beginning. I still maintain that. I think of the two. I, I think iOS is a more consistent uh, experience with more frequent updates, uh, easier well, for developers to target, and better applications exist for it. And I think the hardware is actually pretty good too. The only problem I have wow. with it. Wow. What? Wow. What? What? I'm just saying. I'm just. So I, I spent half of last week in Android Studio debugging an issue that only exists in one region on one version of Android. So this has been I, – I had, I had to – I was asked this week, this last week, why, why is there no hyperlapse out for, for Android? 
And I got to think about it, and I thought, well, it's probably it's probably because it's much easier to use an application like to write an application like that with the iPhone. It's just got to be easier, right? And it's not even yeah. that it's the right answer. It's just practically easier, and that's just probably all it really takes to get more developers to do that than. Like, you know, as a developer, like, so this issue, you have no idea how foolish it seems to, like, test it on five phones. Like, dude, there's no issue. And I had to set up a special emulator for that specific, like, point whatever version. Really? To even prove out that the the client was right. Then I had to go back, like, yeah, you were right. And uh, I have no idea, so it's going to take forever to fix this one dumb thing on this one dumb version. That is annoying. That is annoying. And the fix is super hacky. Yeah. So... Yeah, I I could see perhaps, you know, if you're given a choice, shying away. So uh, let's talk about while we're talking about uh, debugging things. Let's talk about this first story here, how uh, basically our friends at Patreon, where we get uh, a lot of support for the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, they made the mistake, if I'm following the story correctly, of leaving debug mode on their web app. Wrong. Mm, Oh, okay. They were being super lean and super agile. That's all they did. They're fine. Oh. <laughs> when you're that agile, you don't have time to to hit the recompile. And oh, okay. The yeah, okay. Just, sure. I don't believe you. <laughs> and when you're testing on your users, of course you want the debug flag on. Yeah, this this uh, is this. So we don't really know how long. Okay, so here's how I understand the sequence of events went. Somebody discovered this and said, hey, this might be an issue. And then very quickly after that, it was published that... Like, Patreon looked into it, and they discovered, yes, somebody did get access through this. Like, yeah. So it sounds like somebody somebody disclosed it to them. They did an investigation, and in that process, process of the investigation, they announced that um, the password that contains usernames and email addresses of patrons, so people who support, uh, which is bcrypt encrypted, which is pretty solid if you listen to Mr. Jude, um, that's been leaked. But probably even more damaging for content creators is – uh, EINs and social securities um, and uh, private messages, which I don't really think anybody really uses the private message system on Patreon. And then there's something else that was leaked, and how it's how much content creators are getting paid, which um, is is actually <clears throat> I actually hope that gets looked at a little more um, because I'll guarantee you it is not the number that is showed on the Patreon website; it's much Ooh. lower. And because, uh, you know, not only see this is you see that number on that Patreon website, that number is assuming every card on file processes, which right. now, to be clear, I'm not super familiar with Patreon. So what are you saying? Like, what number are we talking about here? So when you go to the like, say, go to Patreon.com slash today, this is that's okay. where we fund. That's where we try to raise funding for all of the Jupiter Broadcasting shows. Like we put, you know, we pay production staff out of there. We do hardware like it's hardware replacements out of there. It's like the bread and butter of keeping the shows floating. And so that's crowdfunded. So that way we can be super flexible with our with our sponsors and we can say no thank you or goodbye without completely ruining the company. And the idea is the more that grows there, the more funding and growth the company does organically as the audience support grows, the content grows. And uh, the number that it represents there is assuming that every card, every account clears for that month, which, as you know, if anybody has ever tried to process payments, that never happens. And it's before tax and it's before Patreon gets their percentage. Okay, so I'm, I'm looking at your page now for Tech Talk Today. Yeah, at patreon.com slash Well, it's, uh, it's actually I, for the whole network, but I made it at Tech Talk Today sort of like, okay. a, like a thank you show that's sponsored by the patrons. So I would think that JB nets four grand out of this. Right, and, right. But if you – and now you can. <laughs> if you go look, it could actually be half that number. Half? I don't know. I actually don't know, but I know at times it has been in the past. Now, it's not always, I don't think, because like, it'll depend on like uh, if there's a payment issue or something like that. But yeah, it can be dramatically different than that number. No, I don't know what it is, actually, because I don't follow that. Angela does. But uh, it's definitely not that. So you have to do, I mean, is it just like, like if I take a sale through PayPal, I have to, Right. You know, well, because in a lot of cases, people in. are actually paying with PayPal, too. So then there's the PayPal cut as well. Now, what oh, nice thing about pa- well, well, but the nice thing about Patreon is they can they can aggregate, I believe, that so they average it out across the the content creators in a sense. Do you follow what I'm saying? So, because yeah, yeah. they're doing, I'm not actually doing the payment processing; they are, which is actually nice. It actually saves me a little bit, but it just kind of depends. So that's that also was leaked as part of this, and I don't think that was bcrypt protected for some reason. I think like the passwords and and the, like the user database stuff was bcrypt protected but the other stuff wasn't necessarily and like some source code to the website also i believe was posted oh, yeah. all in all it was like a four gigabyte t- 
tar gz file that you could download uh, so first of all wow about the fees i didn't know that um well if you think about it all payment systems work like that right yeah but it, it's, so it sounds like they're stacking fees though well, it's more like you have it's more like you have the payment processing. You have people whose cards that don't clear. That's like right. that's another one. That's another thing that significantly contributes to that number. Or uh, people will set limits on how much they can pay, and so they'll donate to say Tom Merritt and uh, right. Brian Brushwood. And by the time you know there can be a set limit, so the number is they've they've committed they've committed three dollars a month, but by the time their limits are reached, they're only com- actually contributing a dollar a month. Uh, oh, I get it. I get it. Okay, so it's not all fees. It's, it's there is yeah. Some of it's fees. Some of it's uh, yeah. It's it's a range. And then so it's the normal like e-commerce garbage basically. Yeah, and it, it seems you know in my estimation of summing it up, it seems pretty fair. Um, right. It's just what it is. Okay, so this was an interesting story to me because you know basically it's a Flask app, right? For people who don't know, that's a that's a Python app. It's mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. Um, if you know Rails. You know, Rails to Django, um, as Flask is to maybe Sinatra or or Padrino, but I think Sinatra is a little more of a, you know, it's a lightweight framework, right? And they just left the debug flag on. Which is interesting in that it's such a small mistake. Like, I mean, you know, for internal things, I can't tell you how many times I've, like, quickly left a debug flag on and then Mm -hmm. had to go back and change it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's just interesting how much data is simply leaked by having that flag on. So on last, on Sunday, I covered a story by ACMA, you know, the CDN people. Sure, sure. And they're they're talking about this epidemic of a a Linux botnet. And it's Linux being compromised. And it's – the botnet is so powerful it can direct over 150 gigabits of denial of service at a target. And it does. That's its, crap, though. It, but the, you know what it was is people were using weak SSH passwords, and so right, they're using they're using garbage SSH passwords, right. or it could be the the software platform they're using on Linux. But it's like, so, but again, it's the same thing. It's like such a simple mistake of somebody who doesn't fully understand what they're doing, setting up a system on the internet, and and then like in this case, it was a debug flag, and in another case, it's a simple SSH password, and all of a sudden, it just that one little oversight, and it's too late. They've seen everything. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it brings into the question, should you really be managing all this infrastructure yourself, right? If you don't, hmm. you know, I wouldn't even want to go as far as to say know what you're doing because it is really, really easy, you know, to, to forget to change a config file, right? Do you think, <laughs> like, too, like if you are designing an application or a site that's taking payments – and this is – I mean this sounds – this sounds something – it's one thing to say, but to actually get this done, do you think is – it, is it incumbent upon the people creating that application or site to have it audited by a penetration tester, maybe somebody that would look for these kinds of mistakes? I mean that's easy to say, but when you're a couple of people making a site and you're doing it by your bootstraps, not yeah. always easy. What do you think? I mean you know, in a world where money didn't matter and every project had a million-dollar budget, sure – but in the real world, no, I don't think that's necessary. I think this is a case of, you know, Patreon is, you know, I don't, I'm not into it, but I know that they're very successful, right? I mean, they came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, and they're perhaps, definitely, they're answering a niche. I mean, they're, right. yeah. And I would just, you know, gently posit that maybe their success and their growth outstripped their internal processes, right? You know, when no one cares about your website or your app or whatever, you can be a little more cowboy with it, right? You can be a little more screw it, we'll do it live, whatever. I, I definitely uh, got the sense talking to them that they were they were they were working super super hard and super fast, and I think that's exa- I think you just nailed yeah. I'm not. It. See, that's the thing. Like I've seen some stuff like on Reddit that people are like, "This is just gross incompetence." Whatever. I don't think it's incompetence. I think it's just you know, yes, it's dumb, right? Like it's a mistake. Mistakes happen, but hopefully, you know, let's say the one guy did this. Firing that guy would be insane because you know he's never going to forget a debug flag again, right? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's so like, much crap. Like, yeah, I mean they might fire him just – I don't know. You know, who knows? Because they almost like they almost have to as like a business. But yeah, you're right. Talk about a lesson learned. You know, when you fire someone for making a mistake, you're only absorbing the mistake and then right. you know, their next employer gets the advantage of right. what they learn from the time. <laughs> I mean really, unle- unless it was like he intentionally did it for someone to steal, but – doesn't sound like it. I mean, this is and a. It pretty... doesn't sound like any any actual credit card numbers were really compromised. How right? much is this? No, I just got to put this out there. How much is this to blame on the fact that it's sort of a set it and forget it type web app? 
And, you know, when you use well, these kinds – Well, so – no, not completely. But so – sorry, you said it was based on, based on Flask, right? The Python uh, – Yeah, it's a Python Flask, yeah. So am I misunderstanding or is this sort of like something out of the box that they use to set up the basic frameworks of a web application? Okay, but – I mean, I mean, if you, when you when you that, want something your, out of the magic box, of set it and forget it now applies to ASP, ASP.NET, Rails, Sinatra. I mean, this yeah, okay, class is a much thinner framework okay. than, than okay. Rails. Okay, that's what I was curious is how much it provides and how much. Yeah, if that then that makes sense to me too. I was just curious because it seems like sometimes, uh, in some cases, I've seen people deploy things in a way that they just sort of take all of the defaults, and that's just one of the default things. But if that's something they had to write well, in there by hand, then that makes sense. I mean, obviously, when you're using, um, you know, I don't want to get into the testing conversation, but certainly there could have been some automated test system. Uh, sure, I'm not a big sure. Python guy, but I, I could see a Jen- Jenkins server running in the sky that one of the tests it ran is, you know, does does debug flag equal true? Whatever it is in Python, right? Right. Yeah. This is where Python knowledge is limited. Um, and it says, oh, your debug flag does equal true. And eh, deployment failed. Send a note, right? Because Slack, HipChat, all of that allow you to, uh, you know, you could have a little channel that's like, hey, jackass, huh. deployment failed. You know what makes flag. me wonder? Renegade Dev just made me think about this in the chat room. Doesn't this suggest that they are debugging and and deploying in production too, which is a very dangerous practice i don't think it necessarily suggests that i it, it suggests that their deployment process is too manual that's what it suggests to me mm, okay yeah. because it, i mean and to be fair you know during dev time my deployment process is super manual right it's it's git it's you do, doku you never know yeah. maybe the problem was they moved over their testing or dev image you know they they deployed from testing oh, you to dev they and they had it turned on i mean they could have changed server vendors i mean it, it could have been yeah yeah, There's boy. a million things that could have happened that are silly. So in some ways, uh, it also, though, is good because we now know they're using Bcrypt, uh, which is nice. And so I, which, which is much more than a lot of people do, right? Yeah. I mean, to their credit. And so the, the question is, does this now for Patreon become like a calling to them to make sure that this system is shored up and it never happens again? And if, it, if that's the case, then long term, this could be a somewhat beneficial thing for them because – they're, they've they they got caught with their pants down and it, they didn't they didn't have any STDs. They looked like they were pretty clean. Okay, we saw <laughs> their we saw their wang, but now their pants are back on. And as long as those pants never fall down again, now we know we know uh, they got good clean junk, and we can kind of have faith that they're going to continue to protect that data. Well, the other it, thing I think is saving grace is they didn't have any credit card or payment info on file. I mean, first of all, as disasters go, this really isn't that bad, right? No financial information was leaked, uh, or at least unencrypted. Um, you know, it, in my mind, this kind of thing is a pure disaster recovery. You're already in, you're already in the hole. So really all you can do is get better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the irony is the people that are best off right now are those of the, you who are using Facebook to log in. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you trade some things for yes, others. Like, I know, but you know, what's funny is if you're using your Facebook login, not only did your credentials not get uh, compromised, but you very likely could have two-factor turned on as well, so Patreon would be a two-factor authenticated site for you. It's just kind of funny how that works. Well, not, and that's the whole not saying I would for, do it, but you know, Facebook's a one ID thing, right? Yeah. Um, and, and to be fair, you know, Google has it, Firefox has it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, I still mm-hmm. think Persona's better, but I lost that fight. Womp, womp. All right, well, let me take a moment and tell you about a fight you can win. That's your education over at linuxacademy.com. I mean it, linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go check it out. That's where you're going to get the Coder Radio discount, and it is going to be worth more than ever. linuxacademy.com slash coders. I'd like you to go check them out. They have over 1,800 self-paced courses. But something I don't really emphasize enough in these spots and something I probably should because it really makes Linux Academy stand out is you can get instructor help with those self-paced courses. That's pretty rare and unique. And now think about Linux Academy as a platform built around Linux and open source technologies to make sure you can learn and get the most out of them. And they have over 1,800 self-paced courses with downloadable comprehensive study guides and lab servers that spin up on demand when you need them with seven plus Linux distributions you get to choose from. And at any point in that self-paced course, real human being instructor help is available to you. linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go check them out. Also, I'm just going to put that little teaser out there because it's October 5th as we record the Coda Radio program. Coming up on October 15th, there's going to be a major show over at Linux Academy. I'm going to tell you more about it later, but it's the result of a dream they've had. Just about this time last year, they've been working on it for a year, and they're really excited to announce it. They also have a brand new HTML5 player and a beefed up CDN on the back end to make sure all of the content streams super fast to you. 
you got to go check it out over at linuxacademy.com right now because they've also rolled out a new control panel. It looks really slick, and they're really proud of it. So a lot of new features over at Linux Academy, and the biggest yet to be announced on October 15th. Now is a better time than ever to become a member, and you can get our Coder Radio discount and support the Coder Radio show by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Check out the nuggets, too, so just when you have a little bit of time, you're not ready to go into one of the deep dive courses. These nuggets go between like two and 60 minutes, and they just they go into a singular topic really deep. And I think that's a brilliant idea. They also have availability selectors. So you can tell the system, well, geez, I've got a couple hours on Tuesday, a couple hours on Thursday, and I can do about four or five hours on Saturday. You know, just you could go nuts. And you could just – if you could even just commit that much time, just that much time, you would be amazed at all of the content you could pick up over at Linux Academy. And the thing is, if that's kind of how your structure works, they have content generators that can boop, 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 boop. That's the computer automatically generating that S for you. They just fill that all out and boom. You got a courseware. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Red Hat, Linux, Python, OpenStack, Android, DevOps, all of the good things around the Linux stack that not only make you money but are also just rewarding to know and understand. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Do, 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 do. Okay, Mr. Dominic. Now get ready for this one. This one was floated up by the uh, Coder Radio subreddit this week, and it was written up over at InfoWorld.com, and it comes from an insider. Oh, yes, we love those who says that Oracle has lost all interest in Java. Whoa, deep throat coming out hard. (laughs) Yeah, right? Exactly. New sources. Sources with an S are stepping up to question about Oracle's stewardship of the Java development platform. So when I read the article... Let me ask you this. Did, did you picture, like, some dark parking garage in California? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, somebody with Java Duke on his dashboard meeting another guy from Infraworld, trench coats. That, for some fedoras. reason, too, like, they're both kind of like boxy cars from the 80s. I don't know exactly right, why. Right. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's Charlie Sheen and yeah. the guy who played uh, Jordan Gecko. And they're the in 80s. a darker area of the parking lot where maybe one of the fluorescent light tubes is out. And, uh, yeah. Charlie Sheen's hand is shaking. He's like, right. man, they're going to get me. Right. Right, and it's it's just because he needs a caffeine fix because, you know, Java. Well, or tiger's blood. Oh, right, okay. So in an email sent to InfoWorld on Tuesday by a former high-ranking Java official claimed to feature details from inside Oracle. It said the company was becoming a cloud company competing with Salesforce, and it has uh, – this is a quote. Java has no interest to in them anymore. The subject cited Java, planned obsolescence. Do you think maybe Oracle sitting there going like, ah, Java's the next Flash. We've got we to prepare for this before everybody else does. The email suggests that JCP members push open letters to Oracle customers to warn them what is being done to Java. Oracle, the email said, will never cooperate with any Java foundation and will not release its IP. Java, though, has been open source for nearly nine years. When contacted by InfoWorld, Oracle chose not to comment on these allegations. No comment. Yikes. So, so the so the narrative here is is that passionate employees inside Oracle are fighting for the future of Java by going directly to the media to expose Oracle's plans to sunset Java. All right. So let's get your reaction first, Chris. Okay. My reaction to the story itself, or my reaction to if Java is being all right. So. You know, because I got two different reactions. It? I don't know. Do you buy it? Right? Like, do, do you I, buy the premise? Well, uh, hmm. I, uh, boy, I could see it, but no, I do not buy it. I do not buy it, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, if if Oracle was planning the obsolescence of Java, and then these people came out and started to say, hey, they're going to obsolesce Java, then if I was Oracle, what I would turn around and say, yes, that's correct. We have a two-year plan. And that would never happen. No and, way. <laughs> why not? Why not just be like, yeah, you know what? You know, we are going to sunset it. Yeah, we were, we were going to announce it soon, and we're still working on the details. But yeah, that's happening. Start preparing yourselves now. Like, you want to make sure you get the word out? Now it's been done. Job's done. So I don't okay. see – so if Oracle really was going to – see, this is what I'm saying though. If Oracle was really going to end of life Java, then it being outed that they're going to end of life Java isn't going to derail that. that like, it gets you nothing because if you're going to kill the product, people are going to find out eventually anyways. So what do you really accomplish by outing the fact that you're going to kill the product? That, obviously that was going to come out. So I don't really buy the whole premise to begin with because it doesn't really accomplish much as an insider. Right. I, I don't buy the ragtag group of heroic Java Duke supporters <laughs> yes. here. Right, right. right. <laughs> But I also don't buy the premise because, okay, you're Oracle. 
you're going to kill. So first of all, what does that even mean, right? Because they can't kill Java. <laughs> it's like a zombie. You you can slow it down. You can put it in a cage, but can you really kill it? I mean, it's sort of like you have. Well, they have. I guess they have the intellectual property. Is what this art is. What this article is pulling. Yeah, out. but okay. So so then so then there's a year or two where. You know, and I'm going to get some hate for this, but frankly, Oracle's Java is better than the Java open source one, right? But okay, but let's say this did happen. Wouldn't Google just double down behind the open source Java and wouldn't ever? That's something. Wouldn't forget Google? Wouldn't everybody do that? Right, but Google, you know, Google would lead the way. Google would lead the way. It would be a, it would be a done Google deal. And Red Hat would be hand in hand. Yes, right? like, sure. I mean, a lot of companies would. Microsoft might even decide to get on that just to help influence the direction a bit. Yeah, they tried that once. Yeah. Uh, no, that didn't. Okay, uh, so. He, Look, I have a crazy theory. Uh-huh. You know, and I'm going to say the big M here so people get your mute and your hate mail ready. Oh, man, I'm not prepared for a big M. <laughs> Microsoft has been doing an excellent job of really making C-sharp look sexy, be oh, engaged with okay. the development community. Okay. I see where you're going. And, you know, I'm not really a C-sharp developer, but I'm like, damn, am I missing something? Like C-sharp's moving, there's Roslyn, there's all this stuff. You know, I can't go a week without some really interesting article about what Microsoft's doing. It doesn't doesn't really matter, though, because the thing is, the thing that Java has going for it is that install base and that momentum. So, no, no, I don't, in, in practical terms, it doesn't matter at all, right? But I'm, I have a feeling that what some people might be sensing is that Oracle is... I don't want to use the word stagnate, but, but, you know, they're willing to consider Java mature, right? Well, and I mean, I don't know if this is a factor either, but if I'm sitting at Java, or if I'm sitting at Oracle and I'm looking at our Java uh, situation and I think, you know what I always see in the headlines? Java runtime environment, JRE execution flaw, blah, 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 you know, point of entry, this malware was spread to these reactors because of Java. Like these constantly, it's constantly a security liability for them as well. Um, now I realize there's lots of different types of Java, but I'm just saying from like a maybe what, what from, year is it? What when? What really? You don't see that all the time now. Now, in, no, no more than like Rails vulnerability or right, Jackass has left the debug no, flag on. But here's, I mean, but here's my point: is if they are truly transitioning to a cloud company or a platform company, this is like one of the most client sidey kind of down in the trenches, constantly having to muck around with pieces of software out there. I mean, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to look at it from another perspective. Like, if Oracle you know, is truly trying to transition, if that's if that's a legitimate statement, then I could see how Java. Well, it just. I don't. At see least it. Java on well, the desktop. I, but no one. No one cares about the desktop. That's what I right? mean, right? I could see that them phasing that out. No, I mean, I, I didn't even consider that. But yeah, okay, sure. I mean, you know, let, let's not let's let's not get too much into the hype here, right? All cloud means is servers that aren't in your room. Right. It just means they're gonna they're gonna label something as some sort of like maybe may, maybe some sort of like Oracle services on demand that they they probably already offer for a ridiculous right. fee. But, but you. So let's say they come out with a new magical platform called Larry Ellison Cloud. Yeah, I love it. The Ellison. It's called the L Cloud. I yeah. like. It. <laughs> it would be insane not to have that be uh, developable in Java. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Java is the. Big one of or okay, not I guess JavaScript is more now. No, that's one a fair biggest, point though. Right, one of the biggest programming, and by the way, it's still faster than than let's say Ruby or Python. Just that pretty much seals out. the deal right there. I mean, that's right. so obvious. If they're going to do a cloud, pl- oh my gosh, why would it not be in Java? Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, or, or, or you know, maybe devil's advocate, maybe Java the platform, and you know, Scala is a first class citizen, and Java is just like co equal, kind of like C sharp and uh, mm-hmm. F sharp mm-hmm. for Microsoft. Right? That would be at worst, I would think. Right. I, the, so this sounds crazy. Now, I would believe that Oracle is backing off from the actual development of the language or plans to and a just, little bit. Yeah, and says it's reached me. Because they make no money on it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And you have this great open source foundation who will do it for you if you let them. Mm hmm. That's true. I mean, that's very true, Mr. Dominic. Yeah, I, I, it's so. Yeah, the premise doesn't really hold up. Now, watch us be wrong on this one. <laughs> I mean, I, it, I would love to be wrong, only to see like what material effect that has on the industry. And I think the answer is virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. I got to imagine. I mean, how many people are still running Java Six? 
You know what I want to know? Really? How many people out there are still using Microsoft Java? The, uh, the one that oh, you... J, uh, J Sharp? Yeah. Well, what was their... I forget what their little package was called. You had to download from Windows Update. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so bad. Oh, no, wait. J Sharp or J Plus? There was something. There was something stupid. Yeah. J something. J... My, and then oh, there was the I Microsoft have, Java no, run. Yeah, it was, it was all. All right. Well, why don't we take a moment and uh, we'll... Uh, well, we, we have... We have a we have a big email to get to, uh, but first I want to thank DigitalOcean, the next sponsor on the Coda Radio program. Now, DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to get your own rig up in the cloud, really on super fast hardware. In fact, they just announced a new data center in Toronto, up in Canada. So if you want to store your data up in the Great White North, this is the place to do it because each hypervisor comes equipped with a forty gigabit connection. 40 gigabit each. It's 40. Oh, my gosh. And their latest and greatest SSDs. You combine those two things all running on top of KVM using Linux on the back end and then DigitalOcean's simple, intuitive interface. That's amazing. But if you use our promo code Coder Digital, you're going to get a $10 credit. That's Coder Digital. It's one word, lowercase, $10 credit. And their, their base rig starts at $5 a month. So you could try out the base rig for two months for free. No credit card required. Coder Digital. You get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. It's all sitting on top of SSD drives. So as you step up in the line, if you need more horsepower, you just get more and more speed, more and more storage capacity, all of all more transfer, more CPUs. It's very, very straightforward and logical. They also have a really nice API for you to work with. Uh, and this could be something that you work with and create your own application or something around it. Or you could take advantage of some of the stuff already out there by the community. Like I'm going to uh, point you out to this DigitalOcean command line interface. It's an interface that provides a shell to access your droplets. So that way you could go in there and power cycle them. You could destroy a droplet, get its status or information, get your basic account information out of there. You could create a droplet from existing images, list your droplets, do a snapshot, things like that. It's written in Python, and it is a shell for your DigitalOcean interf- Digital uh, 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 website if you don't want to go to the very, very well-designed website. I just like that a lot. There's a lot of different projects out there. They just use the API. It's really cool. They have a ton of great documentation. So use the promo code Coder Digital and go build yourself something neat. They also have one-click deployment of applications. So you can get up and started with a lot of really well-known applications like GitLab and Ghost and Ruby on Rails. and all. Or, or, in fact, when I say Ruby on Rails, it makes me think of the fact that you could actually just deploy an entire Ubuntu server with the web stack ready to go with one click. They have a lot of great distributions you can choose from. And uh, I also recommend you play with CoreOS a bit. I think it's a really cool concept. They work with the CoreOS project to get latest images on there. And there's also FreeBSD available over at DigitalOcean.com. Just use that promo code Coder Digital to support our show and get yourself a $10 credit. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, Mr. Dominic, you just see uh, this. Hang on, Chris. Hang yeah. on, hang on. Yeah. I yes. have to reboot for a second. Whoa. My uh, JDirect install powered by the Microsoft <laughs> yeah. Java virtual yeah. machine sure. needs an update. Yeah, you got, well, first you got to update the MSI installer. Then uh, you can. I don't think there was an MSI. So. <laughs> no, 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 not until the very end. So we're on night seven here. Uh, Jacob, send us. I mean, this is a this is a lousy, a, a doozy. I guess is what we're supposed to say, a doozy. So he needs a solution for upgrading his computers constantly, and I I feel for this. So he says, I'm a longtime listener, first time writing with a question. I'm a developer. I currently live in a relatively uh, relatively happily in Australia, where we have ADSL two. Both at home with 17 megabits shared by two people and at work 7 megabits shared by nine people. Now, here's the thing. Like many developers, I have many computers and virtual machines. I have an iMac at home as the main workstation, a MacBook Pro for work on the go, Arch Linux running on the Mac Mini as a file media server, and Ubuntu PC as a VM lab. I also have an iMac at work and a VM that the company uses to load all the dev environments, a Surface Pro 3 for Windows and C-sharp development. Also, not to mention, I have an iPad, an XS5, an iPhone, an LG Watch R. My frustration is keeping all these things up to date, and it's driving me crazy. Boy, do I hear you. I'm a power user, and I've tried my best to simplify my life. <laughs> things I've, not to laugh at you, Jacob, but I just, if you compare that statement to the previous paragraph, I just had to laugh a little bit. So he says, my frustration is keeping all these things. Here. I, I know, right? He says, I have a hard time keeping them all updated. I'm a power user. I'm trying to simplify my life. He says, I use a repository to sync all my settings, keys, and configurations, aka my dot files, using Git. Uh, but he doesn't like, he says, I mentioned BitTorrent Sync. Didn't work. Wrote a script to update all packages like Homebrew, PIP, GEM, NPM from a terminal on all the Macs. This saved me a lot of time when I'm trying to keep everything updated. However, this does not solve a lot of other things. Just a quick example. Not all things can be upgraded from the terminal, and random things will always just pop up and ask for an update. For example, iTurn2 sometimes pops up and asks for an update. 
I have to do it on every single computer. And if it's not, if it's not the identical environment, Macs are better than Windows, it seems. I get problems each time. I need to manually diagnose them to figure out why. My download speed is terrible bad, especially in the office. And I also need to keep other Macs in the office up to date. And keeping all the devices up to date can take about 20% of my time, and I'm not sure what the better solution is. Should I just leave them there and schedule and manually do them? Uh, he says maybe I could have some sort of habit. And maybe uh, he says, are talking the wrong, am I taking the wrong route here? Should I use all Linux machines with things like Puppet installed? To be honest, they've even considered MS Active Directory. I know. I was crazy. As that was actually would solve the problem of being able to automatically deploy updates and applications from a central location. Thanks. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Jacob. And I wanted to add one more thing to this. Because not only have I sort of felt his pain, but over the last two weeks, I was doing it all over cellular connectivity. Oh. Yeah. It's just... It is yeah. really, I mean... Did you it, even have LTE? Like, No, not most of the time, no. Oh. Or I was at a campsite with really bad Wi-Fi, like, you know, 70% packet loss. <laughs> All right, so so I have a confession. I just gave up on this whole problem. I kind of have in a sense, like, oh, boy, I don't... I have, like, some machines I don't bother, and then some machines I update all the time. Yeah. I have my one MacBook Pro, that's my, my everything machine. It has a... Um, has a Fedora, whatever the newest one is, VM, that I occasionally do some development in because I'm still toying with what I'm going to get next when this one finally needs to be put out to pasture. But yeah, it just got too crazy. I mean, especially once you throw Windows machines into the mix, it's like, uh. Or, if, and that's not even counting the app, all the application updates, like on the smartphones and, oh, geez. Yeah, so obviously, I mean, the obvious answer is don't have, as much, don't have so much crap. Right. But it doesn't sound like that works for him. Because uh, <laughs> he probably would have well, already done that. Is you're not gonna, yeah, you're not going to find a solution that's going to work for the Mac machines and the Windows machines, right? Yeah, don't use Active Directory. Windows, uh, WSUS, to, I mean, having to, to, to update your, your, your that's just, it's a whole job just to manage that thing. I mean, I would almost say, depending on how beastly your Mac is, can you just VM everything? Probably not. Yeah, more VMs might be good, but you still have to update the VMs themselves. You have to update the VM, right. Yeah, and that's, yeah, oof. So uh, my yeah, so my solution has been um, I just on most of my machines I don't avoid the updates. I just do them much less up often, and I just sort of consolidate that time. So um, so what came out like uh, OS ten L cap came out right, um, and like the Macs here in the studio are still on ten nine right. I I now maybe I will do I will go around and update them all at once. Now, the Arch machines, I do tend to update more often, but I just kind of do that in another terminal window while I'm working on them. It's not as an involved process. Uh, it doesn't really require much of my interaction. So it's some, in some sense, it's the Linux machines I find to be easier to update because I can just opt to do that in a terminal window that I minimize, and then it just does it all in the background because I, I do dash dash no confirm like a boost. Uh, and then for the – well, we don't have any Windows machines, so I don't, I don't ever well, worry about that. Like, like uh, uh, you know, I know you, and I have never had to pronounce this out loud. Darkresny, <laughs> that's correct. Darkresny. I say I call him Darsani. Oh, that, that's totally no. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You are. Um, yeah. WebYast or FreePO. The problem is, I don't think any of this stuff is going to work on Windows, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I would not go with Windows for this kind of because Windows. Yeah, I mean, you could just just got to set the Windows updates to be automatic on the Windows boxes. It's not that bad anymore. <laughs> So I haven't even updated to LCAP because I'm – in fact, I waited a month to, or like whatever it was, three weeks to update Xcode because I'm – Dark Resony, thank you. I'm super uh, – Dark Resony, goddamn. I'm super paranoid about updates now, especially .0 updates. Mm. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, I made, the, I made the very, very big mistake of right on the road trip. So I brought the S6 Edge and I brought an iPhone, two different networks, right? Sure. And I did the iPhone 6, um, just, you know, the, the slim 5.7, whatever. No, not the – whatever the small one is, the 4.7 or whatever it is. I don't care. Uh, I did the update to iOS 9.0 on that thing. What a mistake. It was – the performance fell through the floor. Like, it became laggy. And I, let me tell you something. Honestly, it still was faster than my S6, and I'm not joking. It's still – and that actually pissed me off. Uh, because so I actually the whole other side story. I spent like a half hour one night just like going through the S6, trying to disable boot apps, and just I've got the boot time down now to a minute thirty seconds, which is pretty damn good on that phone. And I think can get it down a little more than that, but I, it's still like okay. I'm not kidding you. The pin code, like when the phone first turns on, and or if it's been in deep sleep for a while, no joke. 
this, the system is so laggy on the S6 oh, entering yeah. in the pin code that the screen falls asleep before it's done registering. The, 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 I get to like – so the pin code on my phone, just spoiler alert because I was using it for a, um, a, uh, a hotspot, was 1234. I usually use the fingerprint, but for the road trip, I just put one, two, three, four. Before number button press number four gets registered, the screen falls asleep. That's how slow the S6 runs for me sometimes. Is the freaking screen falls asleep when I'm trying to unlock it because it's so slow. So the iPhone slows down a little bit, just a little bit, and it and it was maddening, like the uh, unstable. Uh, the app switcher was 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 stuttery, and then they issued two freaking updates while I was on the road. Two updates to the OS. This was like a seven day period. Yes, and it's just. It's Love astonishing. It. It's and so I'm sitting there downloading these updates and and it, and I'm trying to up, get all my machines running and it was Jacob. I felt your pain during this time. And right, my, are are my we cranky just, old men now? Like there was a time we've been you know, we I, have been wronged too many times, Mister Dominic. And now right, there was I a just time I was downloading Ubuntu like betas and I was doing yes. all that crap. And right. now I'm like, mm, now nah, not wait for me, not for me. No. And here's the thing about that is I'll sit back and wait a little bit till like they get to the right point and now I'm jumping in. I'm just being a little more reserved. I shouldn't have done the .o update, but I just thought, well, I'm probably not going to have a chance to update again on the road, so I might as well just play around with it. Because, you know, I I want to have fun. It was a horrible mistake and uh I so Jacob, my walking out of that experience is about once a month now. I'm going to update my stuff. Now my archbox is like I said, I keep them more current, but the other stuff once a month. I'll just apply updates. And I'll just make it a, like a routine process that I go through. And that's my solution. And that involves my, my, my phones and my watches and any other crap that I might have that has to connect it out to the internet and give somebody my IP address and check for updates. Just a nice, methodic approach. Uh, what about you, Mr. Dominic? Um, I do not update my production machine, which is currently the only machine I use, mm. unless I have to. Yeah, there's machines here that it, like. The, or I take it back, unless it would be irresponsible not to do the update. Yeah, like the broadcast there's, machine here, I don't update unless I absolutely have to. Like the, if so, the broadcast vendor so, the, the the software requires me to update, that's when I update. So let's take like a just like a real simple case, right? Sometimes OS 10 updates like to break things I install via Homebrew. They often like to break things like USB sound devices and cameras as well. See, I have no I have no knowledge of that at yeah. all. Just from the production end, just yeah. So, but I have a lot of like build scripts. Then all of a sudden things don't work and I end up in bash RC land. And, you know, I feel like when I'm there, I've already lost, right? <laughs> like, unless I'm initially setting up the workflow, if I'm going back and having to like relink things. Now, sometimes it's as simple as like OS 10 wiped out your bash RC or your bash profile, right? When it updated. So you just, you know, go to, I keep mine on GitHub. So you go to GitHub and you, copy paste and everything's okay yeah sometimes they move things which gets really weird um updating xcode can cause all kinds of weird problems because now a libc or what is it libgcc is sometimes not included Mm -hmm. and you have to go separately install the command line tools and if you already have your stuff set up and you do that again later every once in a while we don't notice that it's there and there's a problem Oh, that's um, frustrating. Yeah, I mean, up, upgrading is something I like to do on a Friday when I've already delivered whatever I need to yes. deliver. Yeah, yep. And worst case scenario, I can work a little bit on Saturday and kind of, you know, it, it, to be honest, I'm getting to the point where I'd almost rather pave and every time there's a major update just because it's really once a year right so you take the broadcast machine here which is always the one we're really delicate with. The only time I've even done updates on this machine. Last time I did them was we took uh, like a week off around Christmas, gave you know everybody the week off, and I spent that week doing the upgrades to the broadcast machine because I knew I had a week of no shows. And so even though it was during Christmas, that was like the only time to do those updates. So I was in the studio doing the updates on that machine because I knew I didn't have a show the next morning. Otherwise... There's pretty much never a time where there's not going to be a show just around the corner that it would, you know, if you break it during an upgrade, you take out the show. Yeah, like, I, I won't do an update mid-project. Exactly. Yeah. Because like, that's nuts. Noah, often for critical, one of the things he does, and we'll do it sometimes here for studio equipment too, is he builds a parallel system and then does the switch over to that system and leaves the original system uh, basically right next to it where you just take the cords and switch over. Right, and so he'll he'll so it's sort of essentially a nuke and pave, but it's a nuke and pave because it's an entirely new machine. It sets everything up again, 
And then, you know, that sometimes there are sometimes like little things here that when you have a new machine, you have to go back and like there's a lot of little things you have to go still set. But the core functionality verified working, you switch over to it. And then if something goes wrong, you can switch right back to the other one. And then after a couple of weeks, you phase out this, the backup. And that's a very expensive way to do it. But when you use something like VMs, it's a little more practical. Right. If you're, you know, I know people who just do development in VMs. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we've gotten emails from guys that yeah. are do their entire workday inside VMs that they're on their work machine. Like they they boot up their work machine and they boot up their VM where they have their environment they like to work in. Which, to be honest, if you're doing Windows Dev, kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, because I, you know, maybe it's just me. I've always had a harder time maintaining a Windows box than a, than a Mac or a or even a Linux box. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would say one of the most common things I've heard, just because probably the skew of our audience is. They run. They're running like an Ubuntu VM because they do like their all their work and web browsing in that VM, and then they have. And then we, you know, uh, we have at meetups. We have people that bring their laptops, and almost universally, they're like these huge monsters. And a lot of times, there's a whole bunch of different VMs that they have running on there, and they just get what people do is they get like Bonobo class laptops, and they run right. a lot of VMs, and that's how they do it. And for them, it's it's a much more because then at least you go to one spot to do your updates. And you have snapshots and things like that. And it's, it's getting fast enough these days where if you're not really doing anything that requires a lot of 3D, it's pretty usable. Uh, yeah, you know, so J.B. Hawk Truth. J.B. Hawk Truth says, yeah. I'm always in a VM for dev work. I'm confident. I'm confident. Uh, I can confidently break things. So <laughs> without, uh. without, without, um, without horrible consequences. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to cover today? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, it's good to be back at JB1 and chat with you. It's good to have you back in Florida. Sorry to hear about the travel mishaps. You know, I'll give you a tr- I'll give you a, a pro tip. Road trips. No TSA. Not yet, at least. Not yet, at least. Yeah, just just state troopers in yeah. all 50 states, sure. You know, in Wyoming and Montana, I'm not joking, I didn't see a single cop on the road. I get back to Washington, they're like flies on, well, you know what. Oh, listen. Well, well, I mean, who's going to do anything in Wyoming? Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, the speed limits are 80 miles per hour, so what's, who's going to get you for what? over 80, you already have problems. Like. com slash contact to email us, coderadio.reddit.com for pretty much everything else. All right, everybody, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coder Radio. See you right back here next week. Thank you.